Hello, dear listeners, and welcome to another episode of Extra Extra. It's all about whiskey. I'm your host, Jason Johnston Yellen, a.k.a. The White Walker, mm. and I'm joined today, and as always, with the wonderful Joshua Hatton, a.k.a. The Whiskey Cherub. Oh, gosh, I love that. Oh, Jesus. That may take off, and I like it, and I don't like it at the same time. Well, well, you birthed me with the White Walker, mm-hmm. and so I felt it was only fair that I birth you with the whiskey cherub. The whiskey cherub. I'll take it. You know, I'll 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 take it. <laughs> uh, I just like it when people say to me, "Do you call him that because of his long hair or because of his chubby red cheeks?" And I say, "Why not both?" Why not both. Yeah, it's. Uh... It so, is a little bit from column A and from column B. Continue. Yes, go. You, you do you. So in our episodes of Extra Extra, one or the other of us brings a pertinent news story mm-hmm. to the attention of the other. We spend the first half of the episode reading through the piece with occasional side comments. And then we spend the second half of the podcast maybe trying, attempting to do a deeper dive <laughs> into the story that has been put in front of us. And we try to keep it to a tight 30. Sometimes it's a tight 35. And I try not to be my usual cantankerous self, getting in the way of Joshua during all of our recordings. Mm -hmm. And so, Joshua, with that in mind, I give you the floor. Cantankerous is the correct word. You nailed it (laughs) out the gate. So, the article I selected is from a daily email, sometimes twice a day email, I get from Mark Brown who is the, the CEO. He's, he's like the guy with Sazerac. And Indeed he is. Right? And so he puts this newsletter out. He usually comes at around 3 in the morning. I don't know why he's not asleep at that time. But anyway, he compiles a list of stories that are pertinent to the, the whiskey, uh, basically the spirits, wine, and beer industries, the adult drinks industries. I'm with you. Right. And a lot of stuff doesn't really apply to us. There's a lot of wine stuff. There's a lot of beer stuff. Occasionally some uninteresting whiskey stuff. But this this one really captured my attention, not because the story is a massive story, but Mm -hmm. because I think that it touches on a larger issue. And I'm really glad to point out that we won't be discussing tariffs. We won't be discussing sexism. We won't be discussing my cherubic appearance uh, or or your uh, white walking appearance. But I was going to say, wouldn't it be nice if we didn't have to discuss those things because they no longer existed oh, within the whiskey world? Jeez Louise, that would be nice. <laughs> what we will discuss is faking, but not the faking that you're used to. So hear me out. The headline, which, by the way, this article was originally in the Des Moines Register. So this is... I read it weekly. Right, you do. So uh, Des Moines, that's in Idaho, right? No. It's in Iowa? Indeed. All right. So from Des Moines, Iowa, of course. (laughs) (laughs) I get my I states mixed up. Anyway. Uh, Anyway, typical American. Were you off the day you did, did geography at school? I was. So the headline reads, State suspends license of Clear Lake Bar accused of selling cheap liquor from refilled premium brand bottles. Mm -hmm. The author is Perry 
Bimenlawa. Okay. Perry, if you're, li- if you're listening to this and I've annihilated your name, I do apologize. So, the article originally uh, came out on October 25th, and here's how it goes. The state has suspended the liquor license of a Clear Lake bar opened in cooperation with the surf ballroom after workers were caught pouring cheap liquor into bottles that had held higher shelf brands. That is considered a health threat and a violation of state regulations, an administrative law judge ruled on Monday. The Surf Ballroom and Museum and MNG Restaurant Corp. announced plans for the Surf District Rock and Roll Grill in 2016. The bar and restaurant is in a building next to the Surf Ballroom and contains artifacts from the historic ballroom used in a licensing arrangement. MNG owns and operated the business. So just to be clear, when you started reading this, I thought this was a a capture from during the end times, but this is a case that dates to 2016? I think that the business originally opened in 2016. Oh, okay. And this is like a bar within that sort of general group, right? Gotcha. So it goes on. The Iowa Alcoholic Beverage Division said MNG, I wish, gosh, that's really hard to say, MNG, will have its license suspended for 21 days. The business can appeal within 30 days. That's interesting. Um, so regardless, 21 days, you cannot have your license, but you can appeal nine days thereafter. The case did not involve surf ballroom and museum. Okay, so just the bar just was the bar. guilty of doing yes, this. Just okay. the bar. Okay. The Iowa Department of Public Safety filed a complaint against MNG alleging bartenders had reused containers in violation of state regulations. A contested hearing was held on October 7. Specifically, the company was accused of pouring Hawkeye vodka and whiskey into bottles that had held more expensive brands. The business was also accused of mixing Hawkeye whiskey and, quote, apple pucker into a Crown Royal apple bottle. Hmm. Now that is really interesting. Hmm. A company representative, Jeremy Malsby, testified that the labels on a Jack Daniels and Crown Royal apple were worn out because bartenders were required to wipe them at the end of each day rather than from repeated heavy use. (laughs) (laughs) Wink. (laughs) Malsby Mm -hmm. denied the business was refilling premium bottles with cheaper liquor. He added that a funnel the state accused the business of using to transfer the alcohol was used instead to pour sugar for drinks or beer used to make beer cheese. Administrative law judge Thomas Augustine's decision, issued Monday, said the bar had threatened customers' health. Quote, these are serious violations that impact public health and safety, Augustine wrote in this decision. 
Putting liquor in used bottles poses all kinds of health risks, especially if the bottles are not completely cleaned and dried. He added, quote, It's not lost on this judge the economic impact this decision will place on the licensee and its employees. However, the mm-hmm. licensee management brought this burden on themselves when they chose to refill bottles of liquor or otherwise not keep alcohol in its original container. And now we're on the last paragraph here. So so just before you get to that final paragraph, mm. so is it clear when this investigation occurred or when they were caught doing this or served with some legal document that says yeah. you've been doing this? Or have they been doing this from the beginning? Like, I'm not hearing in the article either when they did it or have they been doing it the whole right, time. All right, so let's, let's look at the timeline here, okay? So it said that they had their license suspended for 21 days, mm-hmm. but that the business can appeal within 30 days. And then mm-hmm. when you go to the next paragraph, it says that the contested hearing was held on October 7. So my guess is this started in early September. So you think it would have been a quick turnaround from, we think you're doing this, let's put this in front of a court of law and see what a judge happens to say about this. At the very least, it will have been 30 days prior to October 7, right? It may be more, right? But they were only able to appeal 30 days afterward after they were caught mm-hmm. doing this okay mm-hmm. so let's 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 make an assumption here because you're correct it's not incredibly clear but let's make an assumption that this happened in early September okay mm-hmm. so it goes on with a quote further it is more likely than not that the licensee was previously unfairly enriched by selling cheaper well liquor as premium liquor. Patrons should have a right to get the drink they ordered and pay for without any worry that the liquor that they receive is actually a cheap substitute from an unknown used bottle. Further, as stated, it's a major health and safety concern for alcohol not to be kept in its original container or staff otherwise transferring liquor into used bottles. This judge is especially troubled by the fake Crown Royal Apple being created by mixing two alcohols together to create Mm -hmm. the imposter adulterated liquor. Finally, a complaint was filed with the state by a former employee who frequents the business as a customer. Ah, here we go. That's it. That that's how it ends. Oh Lord. That's how it ends. Isn't that great? <laughs> oh, I, I thought for sure they were gonna drop the then the you know the complaint was made by this person here. No, it was see but oh gosh. Yeah, there, there are things to talk about here. There are things um, to talk, yeah. Well the, the two questions for me become number one, if if you've actually worn off the labels from repeated handling, even though the chap who was quoted said, no, we make them clean them every night, and that has exacerbated the, the wearing out of the label. Like, if, given that they have been found guilty of this, if it's the rubbing of a hand that has erased a label, 
that takes a lot of handling. Now, I've never worked in a bar in my life, um, but I would imagine you have to handle something for months before you're actually erasing a label. Unless you're using uh, a, d- a damp a damp cloth, like a bar rag or something like that. Like I, I can totally yeah. see that happening. Well, and then my, my second portion is, doesn't it say at the end that the, the former employee complained as a customer of the place? And so have they been serving during lockdown, right? You know, look, look how many friends we've got in the industry who tried to do, you know, to-go cocktails and to-go drinks and, mm. hey, buy some booze and we'll sell you some food at the same time, Uh for some states, that's mm-hmm. by law. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I even wonder if, if they've been open during this time. Who have they been serving? Um, there's so many questions coming out of this. Yeah, Let us put a pin in our context clue searching and we'll come back in the second half for a little chat about some of the philosophical issues raised by this article. interesting that this is the story we're covering right before Halloween, because this (laughs) is an issue that really does Uh chill me. It really does raise the hairs on the back of my neck, Uh because anytime any of us place an order in a bar, whether for alcohol or for food, Uh same goes for restaurants, we are placing trust in the person who receives that order 100%. and the people who oversee those who take those orders. Mm-hmm. And it is potentially very easy to do this type of, um, what would it be called? Slight of hand. Slight of hand. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. Right. And... And it, it, it does worry me, you know, you, you and I, and, and this, is, this is slightly different from, from the mixed drinks world, but you and I, you know, go through to Speyside when we were able to travel, would go into, you know, whiskey bars mm-hmm. or, or bars with known whiskey libraries. You read through the menu and you think, oh, there's, there's a pour I've been searching for. Mm-hmm. Oh, there, there's another pour I've been searching for. Gosh, these... People have got some good pores. I'll spend my money on one of those and one of those and one of those. Mm-hmm. And you always hope that's what you're getting. You place that trust in you spend your money and you get the thing you're asking for. Yeah. The, the, the fact that people can be nefarious enough to do the old switcheroo really, really gives me a very bad feeling. Well, the unfortunate thing is... I think it's incredibly easy for a bar to do this or a restaurant to do this if they so choose to do it, especially when it comes to creating cocktails, right? You you can hide ingredients in cocktails if you want and and the consumer would be none the wiser. You can you can bill a cocktail to be this, you know, wonderful $18 cocktail with all these fancy ingredients. But if they're not looking and 
and you want to put in cheaper stuff, you can definitely do that. You're probably still creating a tasty cocktail, but it'll cost less and you're making more. That that's that's one thing. That's one area where I can see this happening with a bit more I'm not suggesting this happens with regularity. I'm suggesting if there were a place to hide in lesser ingredients, that would be uh, a more obvious place to do it. But then when it comes to straight pours as well, I would argue that most people, even if they think they're very familiar with their favorite drink, make it poured something else and not know that they were poured something else. I'll give you a very good example, a personal one. And so this this was five, six, seven years ago. And this was before, you know, selling whiskey was, was my full-time job, right? This was when I was with my old company. And I was in Chicago, and I was with some customers, and everybody's ordering dinner. And on the whiskey list, there were a few different glens. And there was a Glen, a Glen Morangy, a Glen Geary, and a Glen Kinchy. Hmm. Now, the Glen Morangy was $12 a pour. And that was just the regular 10-year-old. I forget what the Glen Geary was, but the Glen Kinchy was like an $8 pour or something like that. And so I said, and I, you know I love Glen Morangy. And so I said, I, do. I said, give me the Glen Morangy 10, please. And they bring it, and I taste it, and I said, this is not, this is not Glen Morangy. And they said, nope, sir, you ordered a Glen Morangy. That's what we <laughs> that's what we poured. And I said, I know this whiskey inside and out. So long story short, they poured me a Glen Kinchy instead of a Glen uh, Morangy. That pour okay. was a good four dollars less. Now that could have been a complete mistake. I'm not suggesting sure. that that restaurant was nefarious and tried to make four extra dollars off a cheaper pour. What I am yeah. suggesting is, whether it's nefarious or, or no, I mean, I was lucky because I, I knew that whiskey, but most people would not. And they would say, oh, tastes like whiskey, moving on. Yeah, if, if you're sitting having a chat with your friends mm-hmm. and you're having a catch up, you know, I've, I've done it before where I've, you know, I've taken a little sip and I've thought, hmm, that doesn't taste normal. And I've thought, but... It does taste like whiskey, and I'm not going to kick up a fuss, and I'm having a good time with my, my friends here. Yeah, exactly. I'm just going to carry on regardless. Yep, yep, yep. Um, here's, here, here's a question for you. When I hear this, and, and you'd mentioned you know, at the start of the second half here that it would be easy for restaurants and bars to pull this off. How closely are distributors watching what's going into a bar and being used by a bar. Because I was wondering if you were the distributor, and good distributors keep a close eye on all of their accounts. Yes, they do. If you were the distributor of, say, Crown Royal Apple, and you noticed that it was always on their menu, but you couldn't really remember the last time you sold them a bottle of it, you you might start to ask some questions in there as well. My guess is you wouldn't quite imagine they were combining whiskeys <laughs> and, and apple you know, flavorings uh, to, to get a rip-off product. Mm-hmm. But, but you could, as a distributor, keeping a close eye on an account, potentially ask questions. Would that be your experience? Or would that at least be a potential it, within it, your experience? It is a potential, but I think we need to remember 
there are a lot of large distributors out there. I, I will not mention any names whatsoever. There are a lot of large distributors out there that go in and they're not making sales, they're taking orders. There's a big difference mm -hmm. between making a sale and taking an order. And mm -hmm. on top of this, you also have some distributors that might have an allocated item, right? You want to get that, right? It comes out every fall, whatever it is, right? Some special item. But the only way that you can get that is to purchase X number of cases of this well whiskey, this well vodka, this well tequila, whatever it is. So you have to hit a number to get the highly allocated item. Now, I think in some cases that may be illegal, but in a, in a lot of cases, a lot of different states, that's not necessarily so legal, but it happens a lot. Sure. And sure. if you're a bar that really wanted these allocated items, but the only way you can get them is to get shitloads of this other stuff that you didn't really want, what do you do with that stuff that you didn't really want? You got to find places to put it. Now, some bars would say, well, you know what? That becomes my well whiskey. That becomes my mm -hmm. well rum, my well whatever. Mm -hmm. And some might, like this, might do something a bit more nefarious. And, and I think that this practice of making sure an account buys a bunch of cheap stuff to get the fancy stuff, it, it just only promotes... The potential for bad behavior. Well, I'm I'm sure if you're if you're the boots on the ground running the bar and you feel the squeeze coming from the distributor, you, you're going to think, well, this is perfectly fine. I'm being squeezed. I'm going to squeeze somebody else, mm -hmm. right? I'm I'm going to do it. Clearly, you know, clearly the rules are not in effect here, and so I'm not bound by them. And you could see that kind of you know, rationalizing the get out of jail free card mm -hmm. where this shouldn't be happening to me. Blah, 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 blah. Now, now I'm going to pass it on. I also wonder. Can I just and, say something really? Yeah, please. Keep, keep that in mind. Please. Yeah, please. I, I really want our listeners to, to know that in the, in the almost 10 years that you and I have had single cast nation and in the almost six years that I've been with Impex and, and traveling around the country, visiting bar and bar to bar to bar, restaurant to restaurant, this practice that we're reading about right now is something you rarely hear about. It's, you know that it happens, yeah. but it, it, it's almost, you know, it, it's almost, um, shit. It's almost like a, an urban legend. You're like, oh, oh, wow! Did you hear about those guys? They did that, and it becomes the talk of the the talk of the industry. And they're like, can't believe they did that. And then you don't hear about it for a while, right? Yeah. So I don't, yeah. I don't want our listeners to think that this is just happening everywhere and it's rampant. But I think it's important to discuss. Very much so, and and that's kind of where I was taking my line of questioning here. Is if you're a consumer mm -hmm. and you're looking for the cheapest hit that gets you from A to B, mm -hmm. it's it's 
all too easy to tell yourself a story about how this liquid came to be in the glass mm -hmm. that's sitting in front of you and getting you from A to B. And one of the things that I always advocate is get to know your bartender, mm -hmm. get to know your bar owner, mm -hmm. right? This is why the loss of Fountainhead, the loss of Ward 3, Delilah's putting out uh, an APB on an event, mm -hmm. uh, Mike at, at Travel Bar, right? Um, our good friend Christopher Grombeck at Barrel Thief exactly. in, in Fremont, right? Uh, and Bill know, Thomas, um, <laughs> Jack Rose, right, like he right, just goes right, on and right, on, yeah. Right, Cash in, in San Jose, like to see really good people mm -hmm. who live and die for this industry, mm -hmm. who have had incredibly supportive uh, clientele, mm -hmm. right? To, to see them struggling and, and going to the walls is so painful because that relationship is very real mm -hmm. and very important. Yeah. You know, you, you and I you know, sat in Ward 3 and they had an open bottle of the first Whiskey Jubilee uh, Festival Bottling, right? Yes. As, as recent as the beginning of this year, they still had some. That's a $4,000 right. bottle just sitting there. Right. Yeah. Right. And so if, if you saw that, and I think when you and I were in, it was maybe $50 for a half ounce. Maybe? About that. Yep. Yeah. Something like that. And, and to put your money there, this is a bottling that is rare as hen's teeth. Mm -hmm. To put your money there is to say, I know you, bar owner. I know you, bartender. Mm -hmm. I trust that this open bottle is exactly what you're telling me it is. Yeah. And you haven't recycled some other Heaven Hill product mm -hmm. in here mm -hmm. to get you know a general flavor profile and then hit me up for the big bucks. That is a meaningful relationship. Mm -hmm. And so on one hand, if you do want to chase bottom price cocktails, I hear you. I get you. I, I, I know what that I know what it means. Mm -hmm. I know what it entails, right? You're you're opening a door there, but you still should never be taken advantage of by the very person taking your money exactly. for it. Exactly. It's a very careful dance. And to hear somebody take advantage of it is is sickening. It, it is. It's sickening. It's troubling. And, and you know, I wanted to bring this story to us. You know, in, in, interestingly enough, like this, you live in Virginia. I live in Connecticut, right? This doesn't affect our local business at, at all, but it, it's something that I think does need to be talked about because it does happen. And, and yeah, I, I agree. Get, get to know your, your bartender, get to know your bar owner, make sure that you're comfortable with her, or with him, and you're supporting the people that you want to support. And, and I would even add on to that, you know, get, get to know the drinks that you love too. I mean, granted, bars are, mm. uh, bars mm -hmm. are great places to discover new things. Yeah, that's an interesting position. Right, but sometimes you, you go to a place and you want that familiar drink. Well, be familiar with it. And 
uh, and you, you're a bit yes. No, no, you can finish oh, yeah. your point. I'm so yeah, so so <laughs> so you know, just just be be familiar with it, and you know that this way you know you won't get duped if you know your drink. Yeah, knowing your drink, I'd never even really thought about that angle of it, but yeah, I, I think your Glenmorangie story sheds light uh, on knowing what's going into the glass. Uh, while you were just commenting there, I had to reach over to my bookshelf because there's a, a book that immediately came to mind when you started telling us about this this news piece. The book's entitled It's a Bad Thing Whiskey, Especially Bad Whiskey uh-huh. by Edward Burns. Uh-huh. And I've, I've had this book on my shelf for years and years and, and haven't read it in a long time. I, I really should delve back into it again, give it another reading. But there's... A wonderful chapter in here where he talks about investigators who in the 19th century would go around mostly Glasgow's bars, but, Mm -hmm. but, you know, sometimes Scotland's bars, and they would hide sample bottles upon their person. And when they were served a measure by a, a barkeep, they would surreptitiously, with nobody watching, pour it into their sample bottle and put it back into their coat and then take it away for analysis. And they came to find that whiskey was being adulterated with all sorts, um, including, but not limited to, rat poison. And Hmm. it's, it's an amazing case study in the beginnings of consumer protection. For us in Glasgow, you know, for those of us in Scotland, but it's it's a wonderful, wonderful book. It's it's now very, very difficult to get your hands on. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you do find it, uh, I do highly recommend it. <laughs> First published in 1995. Um, what, what can so you, to repeat? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, what is it again? It's a bad thing, whiskey, especially bad whiskey, by Edward Burns. And it's really fascinating and shows you a a bygone era where Mm. nobody was looking out for the consumer. Nobody was protecting Mm. the consumer. Mm -hmm. Nobody was challenging what was going into glasses. And yet some guys took... And and it does say within the book, these guys took their lives on their hands. If they'd been caught doing this, they would have been very well and truly beaten um, to, to stop the word getting out. Well, you you suggested that book to me probably a good eight to ten years ago or so, and I purchased the book. I just have yet yet to to crack the binder uh, or binding on it. So I will do that so that I appreciate the reminder. Uh, we have to get out of here. So do you want to let our people know? <laughs> Stuff. It's almost like you forgot I was the host there. I did. You, I almost, just, you started hosting your way out I of did. here. I did. I almost hosted us straight out of this joint. <laughs> well, we'll be here as long as I keep us here, young man. Do not start packing up. Do not put anything into your backpack. Can Sit I pass back, go? Put your butt back in your seat. Put your butt back in your seat. Okay. So, yes, if, if you, dear listener, would like to send us a story, uh, on whiskey that has captured your attention for us to cover in extra extra. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, for the moment, we're still just using the same email as One Nation Under Whiskey. Mm-hmm. And so you can get us at questions at one nation under whiskey.com. And as always, there is no E in whiskey. With that said, I am Jason Johnston Yellen, your White Walker. He 
is Joshua Hatton, mm -hmm. your whiskey cherub, and this has been Extra Extra. We're out of here. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, shit. Hold on. <laughs> there we go.